Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history through historical Chinese dramas. We're your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we are finishing our discussion of episode 40 of the story of Minglan or The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas or email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. Also, please leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to. For this podcast episode, we continue with Ming Lan and Gu Tingye's wedding. In the last episode, we covered topics such as the dowry and events for the groom to meet his bride. We'll start right off as the wedding procession makes its way towards the Marquis Manor, or Gu Tingye's family home. Please note that this is not his manor or his personal home. His stepmother and the current Marquis, Ning Yuanhou, who is his older brother, live at the Marquis Manor. Typically, we do an episode recap, then discuss history, and then uh, finish up with book differences. For today's episode, as we did in the previous episode, we will discuss history during the episode recap so we can point things out as we see them. And then today we will end with book differences. So let's get started. And I'm going to be honest, this episode was exhausting slash fun to talk about clearly because we're doing two full podcast episodes going through every or almost every, hopefully we get every, uh, Chinese wedding tradition in the Song Dynasty portrayed in this, uh, in this episode for this drama. So we start off our recap with Gu Tingye and Ming Lan on the way to the Marquis Manor. One thing I didn't mention in the last episode, but was explained to us by the uh, behind-the-scenes clip of the drama, is that for the hua jiao, or the litter or palanquin that Minglan is sitting in on the way to uh, Gu Tingye's home, is that on the side, they also added things called xing zhang and bu zhang, which roughly translates to a walking veil or a kind of walking blind. If you look at the procession, this veil is there to help protect Minglan from onlookers. It's to give Minglan another level of importance, so to speak. According to the etiquette or rights, R-I-T-E-S director, the drama crew referenced a memoir called Dongjing Menghua Lu, which we'll talk about quite often throughout this episode or this podcast episode. The translation of this memoir is called The Eastern Capital, A Dream of Splendor. It is a memoir written by a man named Meng Yuanlao. Kathy talks about this actually back in episode 21, but it pops up quite heavily again here in this episode. The memoir gave detailed descriptions of life during the Song Dynasty, including imperial palace architecture, food, the arts, and the rites and rituals for funerals and weddings. 
The drama crew also referenced another memoir called Meng Liang Lu by a Song Dynasty writer called Wu Zimu, which detailed Southern Song Dynasty etiquette and customs around a century and a half or so after the setting of this drama. Both of these memoirs were written after the time of this drama, but probably still relevant. Many of the items shown in the marriage procession were explicitly stated in these memoirs. Now let's get to the Gu Manor and into the main hall to see the next step of the marriage uh, customs. Once the bride and groom arrive, they are to perform the Bai Tang marriage ceremony. The Bai Tang ceremony was mentioned briefly in the A New Account of the Tales of the World, or Shi Shuo Xin Yu, which is a historical compilation of. Uh, Chinese scholars and accounts of the second to third centuries AD. During this time, the groom and the bride would dui bai or bow to each other. The practice became more standardized and widespread during the Tang Dynasty between the seventh and tenth centuries. The phrase bai tang appeared during this time. By the Song Dynasty, this ceremony included bowing or praying to the ancestral placards on the wedding day. The day after the wedding, the couple would pray to the earth and heavens, or in Mandarin, Bai Tian Bai Di. Later, during the Song,、uh, Southern Song Dynasty, praying to heaven and earth was moved to the same day. The marriage ceremony that includes Yi Bai Tian Di, Er Bai Gao Tang, Fu Qi Dui Bai, was pretty much standardized around、uh, the Song Dynasty. And this was practiced regardless of wealth and status, and continued all the way through to the early 20th century. When you watch Chinese dramas, you'll usually see this custom: first, you bow to the heavens, then you bow to the groom's parents, and then finally, the couple bow to each other. Of course, this is the early Song Dynasty,、uh, Northern Song Dynasty, so a couple of the customs are a little bit different. All of Gu Tingye's family is in attendance, sitting in the hall for the wedding. This includes Gu Tingye's brothers, so his older brother and his younger brother, his aunts and uncles, which we will talk about、uh, more in depth in future episodes, his stepmother, and interestingly, the son of the current emperor Zhao Ceying, or you can call him by his title Huan Wang or Prince Huan. He's the guy in gold. For him to be in attendance for this wedding is a great honor. Interestingly, as General Duan mutters to General Geng, Gu Tingye and Minglan are bowing or Jing Cha presenting tea to the spirit tablets of two people. We see that it is the spirit tablets of Gu Tingye's deceased mother and father. As implied in the drama, Gu Tingye's stepmother is not happy about that because it means Gu Tingye would rather bow to dead people instead of her. It is a slap in the face. To her, but Gu Tingye probably doesn't care and wants it to be a slap in the face. Plus, you have the son of the emperor here. What can she really do? Of note, the red knot the couple is holding in each of their hands is called the Tianjin or Tongxingjie. It's also a true love's knot. I'm reading Bai Ke, and it looks like the couple. Would also hold one end of this to pray to the ancestors. The meaning of this red knot is that the couple will now forever be tied together. They are one unit. 
This custom most likely dates back to the third century AD with Emperor Wu of Jin or Jin Wu Di, who picked a concubine he liked and tied a knot on her arm. This again could be said to reflect the patriarchal society of the times, cause it's basically like tying your bride, almost as if she's property, which to them was not untrue. This knot is also recounted in the Eastern Capital, a dream of splendor, or as Karen mentioned before, Dongjing Meng Hualu. Now, in the bridal chamber, or Dongfang, the couple perform the Dui Bai ritual and are dragged to sit on the bridal bed. Women then perform the Sa Zhang ceremony, or I guess you can translate to cast away the net. It's kind of a weird translation. The purpose of this ceremony is to wish the new couple plenty of children in the future. Women will throw or cast money and a variety of nuts or fruits on the bed. The items thrown on the bed were specifically chosen for their auspicious representation, whether it be through the name or shape of the item. In the drama, I see tongqian, copper coins, zao, or dates, lianzi, or lotus seeds, and guiyuan, or longyan, or in English, longyans. So let's go through one by one. What, what does each mean? Tongqian, uh, copper coins, of course, means bounty. Dates, or zao, sounds like zao, or early. Typically, you would also throw lizi, or water chestnuts. Together, the two zao and lizi sound like zao lizi, or have a child early, or a son early. Next up is lotus seeds, or lianzi. In a lotus flower, the seeds of a lotus flower, the lotus seeds are very bountiful, so lotus seeds are thrown to wish the couple many children. Uh, and finally, longyan, or guiyuan. Gui sounds like gui, which means valuable, and yuan is used for yuanman, which means completeness or happiness. All in all, these are very lucky items to throw on the bed, and it is tradition to uh, be cast onto the marital bed um, for so that the couple is reminded of this while they are uh, consummating their marriage. The phrases spoken by the female well-wishers, and honestly, I have no idea who they were, uh, come from a Song Dynasty written vernacular, which we talked about a reference in the last podcast episode. This uh, text is called Kuai Zui Li Cuilian, or The Fast Words of Li Cuilian. Like I mentioned in the last podcast episode, Minglan's prayers were taken from that text too. The whole phrase goes like this. Kathy originally was like, oh, we can just do, you know, put in the YouTube translations here. But I saw it and I was like, I don't like them. So here are my translations for at least the last two lines in the text I just read, which is what was recited in the drama is that let the festive air continue to grow and not scatter and let the painting hall have spring breezes come every day. Essentially, 
All very good luck words. Next up, Chang Momo, or I guess the wet nurse for Gu Tingye, comes to perform the Heji ceremony or the hair knot ceremony. This was a custom of the Tang and Song dynasty. This is also mentioned in Dongjing Menghua Lu. Hair in Chinese culture is extremely important. Because you are a product of your parents, to be respectful of your parents, you would never cut your hair. Hence why in Chinese culture, hair has always been kept very long. At least until the Qing dynasty, there was a ton of defiance against the Manchu by the Han people, because as we mentioned in our Empresses in the Palace podcast, because the Manchu custom was for men to shave the front half of their head. Obviously, that was a huge no-no for Han Chinese, and plenty of people lost their lives because they wanted to keep their hair. Anyways, marriage is an important milestone in one's life, and to cut one's hair and tie it together with his or her spouse again meant that the couple is united as one forever. The phrase often spoken is "永结同心," which means that. They should all, or a couple should always be together as one, or to tie the knot. Finally, the couple performs the Hejinjiu, or Jiaobeijiu ceremony. Basically, they drink from the nuptial cup. The practice of Hejinjiu dates all the way back to the Zhou Dynasty, more than two thousand five hundred years ago. Jin. Actually, meant calabash or a bottle gourd. For the wedding, all the way back then,、uh, you would split the gourd in two, empty it, and fill it with wine. Well, you would also tie the two pieces with a red string. This represented that the bride and groom were originally separate. With the red string and the drinking of the wine, they are now one couple. Why the calabash? Well, it has a bitter taste, and the meaning was that the couple will stay together through the bitter and the sweet, or tong gan gong ku. If you watch some drama set in the Han Dynasty or before the Song Dynasty, you'll see two pieces of gourd or calabash used. It's usually dried. By the Song Dynasty, the gourd pieces were replaced with wooden cups. In the drama, the couple uses porcelain cups instead. And you will see the red string tied、uh, between the two cups. Gu Tingye empties his cup and turns the cup upside down. There's also a custom for this: one cup stays up, which is Minglan's cup, and the other、uh, is turned down, Gu Tingye's cup. This represents balance or harmony with Yin or Yang, or、um, in Chinese, it's Yin Yang 和谐 which means that this will be a very auspicious match. Notice how Minglan is sitting on the left and Gu Tingye is sitting on the right. This seating arrangement was actually explicitly stated in the Eastern Capital, a dream of splendor, or as we've mentioned, Dongjing Menghualu, which、uh, it states that the man would sit on the right and the woman on the left. Have we lost you yet? <laughs> All of this happened within like a span of three to five minutes, and we've been talking about it for like fifteen because there's just too much to talk about. Now that all of the ceremonial rituals have been completed, it is time for the celebrations. Well, at least for the groom, 
The Ghoul Manor has been set up uh, with a huge banquet to celebrate the wedding, and the groom goes around to drink with guests. He even gets the opportunity to go sarcastically toast a drink to his older brother and thank his older brother because if it wasn't for him and their stepmother, Gu Tingye wouldn't be the same person he is today. <laughs> Gu Tingye really knows how to uh, have the ability to put people off with a smile. I think the word that is most apt in Chinese is called ye zhen, which yeah translates to kind of like choke someone but it's like when you have something really dry in your throat and you're trying to shove it down that type of like uncomfortable feeling while everyone else is having a grand old time at the banquet the bride is left all to herself <sighs> kathy mentioned this already in episode one and two i believe and it's sad that that's pretty much what happens the bride is left to herself while the groom goes off and parties. Minglan asks her maid to go get her some food because she's hungry. After a tray of snacks arrive, though, none other than Gu Tingye's daughter sneaks into Minglan's room. Gu Tingye's daughter, we'll just call her Rongjie. We saw her briefly in her more grown-up state in episode 39, but here we see her again, and she is a blossoming young woman. Now, this is a highly interesting conversation. Rongjie tells Minglan that she was told by the head maid to Gu Tingye's stepmother that once Gu Tingye marries a wife, he won't want to spend time with her, Rongjie, anymore. So that is why Rongjie wanted to come to see who this new wife was with a brush to, in hand to paint turtles on her face. Turtles are generally seen as an insult, uh, which we won't go into here. The piece that I'm more intrigued by is that this was the stepmother's head maid saying this to Rongjie. Clearly, the evil stepmother is trying to sow discord between the daughter and the new wife of Gu Tingye. I want to link this back actually to Gu Tingyu, so Gu Tingye's older brother. All the way back in the beginning of the drama, during a flashback episode or a flashback scene, Someone was telling young Gu Tingyu that it was Gu Tingye's mother that killed his mother. So if you recall, Gu Tingyu's mother is the Marquis' original wife. Due to the economic circumstances of the Gu family, uh, Gu Tingye and Gu Tingyu's father married Gu Tingye's mother. Now we never saw who exactly was the person that was telling all these lies to Gu Tingyu. But the voice is that of this evil stepmother. Even at Gu Tingye and Gu Tingyu's young age, this evil stepmother was trying to sow discord between the brothers. She is trying to use the same tactic she used with Gu Tingyu to create animosity in Gu Tingye's family life between Minglan and Rongjie. Luckily, Rongjie recognizes Minglan and they're able to connect on a rather friendly level. But like I said, this evil stepmother already is making moves to create challenges for Gu Tingye. Soon after, Gu Tingye returns to the bridal chamber after faking drunkness in order to escape some heavy partiers. 
Normally during this type of wedding ceremony, your goal is to get the groom as drunk as possible. Not the nicest thing to do for the bride, but that's the wedding traditions. I'm sure that's pretty much what we what happens nowadays in weddings anyways. And it is at this point of the episode that we finally see the bride and groom interact with each other. Instead of, uh, I would guess, uh, or say romantic interactions, the interactions are actually rather comical, at least in my eyes. Of course, the lively and joking background music certainly helps. After arriving in the room, Minglen is still a little shy and holds up her fan to cover her face. When she puts the fan down, Gu Tingye is surprised at her appearance and beauty. Well, actually, Gu Tingye says, why do you have your fan up? It's not like I haven't seen you. <laughs> or that's a really dirty way to think about it, where he's just like, oh, what, what kind of appearance I haven't seen you in? Which is fair because she's been like dirtied up. She's like fallen into the river. Like she, he's seen her in all sorts of like weird ways. But not dolled up like this. Gu Tingye recites, 此女只应天上有. This translation is that this woman is so beautiful, she should only be from the heavens. How many times on earth does one get to see such beauty? This line is a slight change from the original poem by Tang Dynasty poet master Du Fu. The poem is actually called Zeng Hua Qin, written in 761 AD. In the original poem, Fu actually is talking about heavenly music. The original phrase is So instead of a beautiful woman, the poem actually refers to a piece of music that is so heavenly one should only be able to hear it in the heavens. How often on earth can one hear such music? The change to the poem is actually not unique to this drama. I've definitely heard this in other instances, and this line is one that is considered a jueju, or a classic. At least the original. I will also say tianshang, uh, which means like heaven in the Chinese sense, not heaven in the Western sense, because in Chinese culture, the heavens, you're supposed to have beautiful, absolutely stunning goddesses. And that is what Du Fu is referencing for music, because the music up in the heavens are supposed to be serviced for gods and goddesses, and what Gu Tingye is referencing in terms of beauty for his now wife. After this exchange, <laughs> uh, I think this is very humanly or rather apt that uh, Minglan's stomach starts grumbling. Immediately, Gu Tingye gets up to change and heads off for Fan Lao to get takeout for his new wife. He is his new wife's Uber Eats or Seamless. Finally, before he leaves, he tells Milan to move his daughter, who had fallen asleep next to Milan, back to her rooms and to take off that heavy crown or wedding headdress she's wearing. I really appreciate how he talks to her. It's very real and very human. There's no pretense of, oh, you have to be this super prim and proper woman. It's okay to take off this incredibly heavy headdress because I know it's probably difficult to keep your head up straight. And then Gu Tingye zips off to Fan Lao to get food. 
Fan Lo is a multi-story restaurant that appears in both this drama and Qingping Yue, or The Serenade of Peaceful Joy, and was documented in the classic Chinese book Shui Hu Zhuan, or Water Margin. Built around 1000 AD during the Song Dynasty, Baidu says that it was one of the best, or it was the best, of the 72 restaurant towers in the capital at that time. It was a spot that even emperors were, would visit. The liquor created by the restaurant was also highly popular, and so the restaurant became a sort of liquor distribution spot in addition to a restaurant. There is a rebuilt version of this restaurant tower currently in China. One thing that Baidu shared, and I think is really interesting, that it was illegal to have prostitution here, but most of the revenue that this restaurant earned actually came from female performers at the restaurant. In my mind, for such a extravagant restaurant, it makes sense that the legs of Gu Tingye would come to Fanlo because he's wealthy and noble. I would say it's even, it's kind of like Michelin star restaurants, right? Really expensive, outrageous. The scene where he's coming to grab the food, though, is rather random, but also hilarious to see onlookers stare at him as he's leaving with food from Minglan. He tells the, um, the waiter that this food I'm grabbing is for my new wife. And the waiter's like, what? <laughs> Shizhou says everyone will think that Minglan is a mulahu or a tigress, which in Chinese essentially means a tough, controlling and overbearing woman. Gu Tingye scoffs at this and is like, Minglan won't care. But when he returns, Milan literally exclaims, What? Everyone will think I'm a tigress or mulauhu. At this point, Milan has taken off her wedding headdress or crown. And once again, why uh, this drama is more human than most, we actually see that she has two imprints on her forehead to show the weight of the headdress. I really appreciate this detail because it shows that it's not necessary to be perfect at all times. In any other drama, the uh, main female lead would have been perfectly done up and beautiful. But in this drama, we see Minglan show that it's actually hard to be the wife of a marquis or it's hard to uh, be the bride on the wedding day. Gu Tingye tries to wave off Minglan's concerns by wafting the wonderful smells of food he's brought over to her. She indeed is distracted and names what he's brought. First up is Yang Rou Pao Mo, lamb stew with flatbread. This is a classic dish from Xi'an, and uh, if you have a chance, definitely go try it out. It's super tasty. Next, there is Pang Xie or crab. Then we have yadra or duck claws, and finally ran lao. I think it's a type of soft custard. I was doing some research, and people have different recipes, but it looks like to be made of sticky rice with some cream. I guess the translation was more like soft cheese, but cheese in China is very different from the Western cheese yeah. that we think about it. So it's more of a, like a creamy, like custardy substance. And it was been interesting when I was Googling this, the first things that came up were, I saw this in the story of Minglan and I want to make it. So a bunch of people tried their own hands at making Ruan Lao. 
At the sight of the food, particularly Ren Lao, Minglan starts stuffing her face using her hands. But remembering that she's in front of her new husband, grabs her chopsticks to eat. I think that is one instance where she's showing her true nature. She doesn't want to be this like prim and proper lady. She wants to be more carefree. But unfortunately, society has its、uh, constraints on her. Gu Tingyan doesn't mind that she's, I would say, a little bit more laid back in her true self, and turns the topic to other important matters. Now that they are husband and wife, first is to discuss the fact that he still has a son that has gone missing and will do anything to bring him back. But he said he promised Minglan's grandmother that he will never let his son supplant Minglan's son, as her son will be the legitimate heir, whereas his oldest son will not be. Or his oldest son will be a Shu Chu, whereas Minglan's son would be Di Chu. Minglan acknowledges this and says that it is difficult to yo wu yo yi ji ren zhi yo. Wow, what a tongue twister! Kudos to Minglan for reciting this as a, a, a line for the drama. This line comes from Mengxiu or Mengzi, which essentially means that when taking care of your own child, it is also important to take care of children that are not. Blood related to you. What she's essentially acknowledging、uh, or saying is that this is hard to do in practice. So please don't mind that my grandmother is、um, forcing you to promise the order of importance for my children. Minglan though does acknowledge these two children and says that she will not let Rongjie, who's with them now, suffer what she suffered as a Shu Chu daughter. Gu Tingyi is so grateful that he bows to Minglan. Continuing on the unusualness of this wedding night, Gu Tingyi carries Minglan over to the bed and announces there's something extremely important they have not yet done. Minglan blushes, but then Gu Tingyi, being Gu Tingyi, does something rather unexpected. He carries over a giant box and places it onto the bed. Minglan is like, uh, what is this? Gu Tingye reveals that the box contains the deeds for all of the inheritance that his maternal grandfather left him. The box is stuffed full of papers, each paper representing a property or business deed, primarily in the salt business, with an annual income of one thousand liang or taels of silver, if not more. Gu Tingye says that he's supposed to have a cut from the Gu family as well, but his stepmother and brother have claimed most of it, so he only has this much. Minglan and I have the same reaction. Only this much? This is so much money. Minglan is dumbfounded as Gu Tingye entrusts her with managing all of the money. Minglan is so adorable because she then brings out the box of property deeds her grandmother or deeds that her grandmother gave her as part of her dowry. She's like, I thought this was already a lot, but this is tiny compared to yours. Which is fair. That was a lot of money.、Mm-hmm. Gu Tingye trusts her though to manage all of this, and that is what I think is great about this relationship. Gu Tingye does reveal that his inheritance was procured with great difficulty. Back in episode one and two, the conflict with 
His five family relatives after the death of his grandfather were all because they want this money. So Hu Dingye had to create a will that is actually blank to protect him from further assassination attempts by the Bai family. Ever since writing this fake will, the Bai family has continuously sent spies to his family home in the Gu Manor to learn who is written in the will. Gu Tingye shares that the only people in his life he trusts are Shi Tou, his wet nurse nanny Chang Womo, and now Minglan. This is certainly a somber revelation for Minglan, who now recognizes the challenges Gu Tingye has had to face in his life. As Gu Tingye states, they are now married and on the same team. Gu Tingye also promises to never betray Minglan. With all of that uh, information shared, the couple closes the curtains on their wedding night. And that is that for episode 40. Wasn't it super fun? Like I said, to be honest, I'm like exhausted <laughs> with how much research <laughs> that we had to do for <laughs> episode 40, but I enjoyed it. This is an episode that I constantly go back to because starting from episode 41, I think it's a really, uh, or it is like the new chapter of this drama. I will say that the Chinese wedding ceremony is steeped in culture and tradition. However, Chinese wedding traditions are inherently very misogynistic. Everything is about the bride marrying into the groom's family and tying the knot. The new wife is essentially stuck in this new life with limited options to escape. The groom, on the other hand, can, of course, have more women in his life in the form of concubines. So for all of the rituals about tying the knots, uh, being the husband and wife, it's really the wife you need to turn out heirs and the husband, you can still do whatever you want, mainly. For now, let's enjoy this marriage. But keep in the back of your minds that women generally got the short end of the stick in life in China. Overall, I much prefer the drama depiction of the wedding compared to the depiction shown in the book. The book focused more on Minglan's perspective and the ability of her maids. Minglan is marrying into the family of a marquis, and she's only the Shu Chu daughter of a lowly official. The older women of the Gu family were very surprised at the poise and rigor displayed by Minglan and her maids. The Gu women internally give props to Grandma Sheng for this type of training. At this point in the book, Minglan and Gu Tingye have only met a few times. Gu Tingye doesn't go get food for his bride. The newlywed couple do not have a heart to heart about Gu Tingye's vast wealth, and Minglan does not meet Rongjie. And that is it for today's podcast episode. If you haven't already, check out our website for the latest drama reviews we've done or follow along with the dramas we're currently watching. If you're looking for sites to watch dramas and you're in the U.S., head on over to Jubao TV or J-U-B-A-O TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it through their website, Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. Again, 
All of it is free. The music you heard is the zither piece called Lan, with sheet music by Bing Jiu Wu Niujun and played by me. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.